What's up, Mindset fam, and welcome to another episode of the Mindset Podcast. Today, we have the honor and privilege of speaking with Gus Cabrera. He is the current president of the Latin Builder Association, as well as the managing director of Marin and Sons. To say the least, Gus is an expert networker, and you're about to hear why. We talk all things networking, and he gives us some valuable tips and tricks on how you can improve as a communicator and a networker. You don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Before we get started, I want to go ahead and thank Popple for sponsoring today's episode. To say the least, Popple is the future of networking and they are slowly but surely killing off physical business cards as we know it. Popple is a device package as either a phone sticker, keychain, or wristband that uses NFC technology to make sharing contact information as easy as using Apple Pay. I have been a customer for quite some time now and I can't tell you how convenient and easy it has been to share my information with others. I am no longer digging in my pockets for business cards thanks to Popple. Go to popple.co or click the link in the show notes and use discount code MINDSET in all caps to get 20% off today. What's going on everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Mindset Podcast. Today we have Gus Cabrera, the LBA President, Land Builders Association with us. Gus, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, thank you guys. Thank you for having us. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan of the show. I'm... I'm an organic subscriber uh and i followed you guys uh you, you guys uh podcast podcasting career uh for a while and, and i'm very impressed and, and and again it's a it's a pleasure to to be on with you both thank you again gus um like anthony mentioned it's such a pleasure uh we we're just speaking about it off air that the last time we were at your office that you know we we had you on our radar and we're making it happen finally but before we get into the meat of things, um, we usually like to introduce our guests with a couple of warm-up questions. And okay. I am very excited about these, these couple of questions, uh, and I'm, I'm really interested to see what you have uh, to say. So the first one is, what is the most embarrassing fashion trend you used to rock? I know you're, you're a fashionable guy, so I'm really I'm looking well, forward to what you got to say. Well, listen, I, I grew up in the 80s. So in the 80s, every day was a fa fashion faux pas. You know, so every day was an embarrassing moment. So I, I don't know that I can point to one particular thing, but certainly uh, there was uh, there was uh, quite a few. I think the funniest one, and it wasn't funny at the time, but looking back at it, uh, I remember, you know, like you guys, you know, we grew up, you know, in this town, not a lot of money, just kind of trying to work hard. So a lot of your clothing, particularly when it comes to dress wear, tends to be hand-me-downs or thrift shops or things of that nature. So I was invited to a, I was invited to a New Year's uh, party, um, and I remember all my friends were you know taking a suit or taking a jacket. I didn't have one, so I ended up borrowing one from somebody who was slightly larger than I was. Um, and, and, and the suit was certainly probably 10 years older in fashion than the current <laughs> thing. So, so I showed up to this uh, event with a oversized, thick, gray, single button jacket, some pants and cowboy boots, which were the only formal oh. type shoes I had, right? So by the way, I thought I was looking just right. But in the house that we were at, it had this long mirror. And as I walked, Oh my god! I caught myself in the um, 
in the reflection and realized that I looked like, you know, short, pretty close to, if it was colorful, it would have been a clown outfit. So, <laughs> um, but you know, like anything, it drives you, those little experiences, they're funny now, uh, embarrassing at the moment. Uh, but they, you know, I, I do remember at that moment telling myself, you know, one day I'll, I'll afford the nice suit or I'll, you know, this will never happen again. And those are the little moments that stack up in your life and, and create that drive. So mm. did your wife, but it was embarrassing, you? but it was embarrassing. Well, no. Did your wife meet you when you were wearing that outfit? No, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. By the time oh, my she... wife met me, I was back to, uh, I was, that was many years ago. I, I you know. I think I was just out of high school when that happened. So okay, um, okay. Yeah, I, I've been a I've been a polo and uh, like I tell everybody, I, I think I own twelve suits. Six are gray and six are blue. So I I try <laughs> to eliminate that brain damage, the fashion brain damage, out of my <laughs> yeah. daily equation. So you're making up for it now. You're making up yeah. for it today. There we go. Yeah, well, I'm uh, more boring now than I was then. That's for sure. <laughs> awesome. Our second warm up question for you, Gus, is if you were famous, what would you be famous for? Oh boy, that's a good one. I mean, you know, I, I think I think you, if you would have asked me that question when I was 16 years old, I would have told you I want to be famous for being the starting catcher for the New York Yankees. Um, of course, you need talent for that, which is the big problem. Um, <laughs> I, I think these days, um, I, I I look up to folks that are intellectually uh, driven. So I would love to be famous for for being a writer or being somebody like that. I look at different folks in this community, uh, David Lawrence, I look at um, individuals like that who, who really have married intellect and community activism. Uh, I think that, to me, that's more appealing than perhaps, you know, a, a guy who's got, you know, a hundred million dollars in the bank. So um, I, I think if, if I could point to a frivolous thing, uh, I, all my life, I've been really into weightlifting. It's, it's the one part of my recreational life, if you will, that allows me to escape from the daily, you know, um, grind of, of business, of work, of, of things of that nature. So, um, you know, maybe when I'm 60, I like to be uh, famous for being able to, you know, lift a combined big weight amount in the powerlifting world. So. I look. I look forward to seeing you in the the, <laughs> the CrossFit games or the powerlifting tournaments. Yeah, I don't. I don't know about CrossFit. CrossFit is, <laughs> you know, uh, that's way too advanced and way too much movement. I think uh, if I can deadlift, squat, and bench, that's about as much as I'll do. There we go. That's a talent within itself. That's yeah. only superhumans are able to enter into those. But that's it, Gus. Thank you for coming. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, that, that was that's the. Cool. Uh, the warm-up round, um, you passed. Congratulations. Now we Thank start you. to get into the, the meat of things. And to start off, obviously, I want our listeners to get to know you a little bit better. Anthony mentioned you are the president of LBA, the Latin Builders Association, a huge organization down here in Miami with you know developers, entrepreneurs, business owners, uh, really focused around networking. You're also the managing director of Marin and Sons. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about you and how you were able to obtain those positions and, and your really your journey as to uh, to how you got to where you are? Sure. So let me, you mentioned the LBA first, so I'll go in your order. I think that the Land Builders Association is um, an institution that's been around for over 50 years and um, really founded out of a need that was created in the early 70s by um, a group of 
um, a, a group of uh, Cuban exiles at the time. Um, and they were just trying to rebuild their lives after leaving Castro's communist Cuba. And, and But they were also a little bit frustrated by the lack of opportunities in this town. Um, so they banded together and created this association. As the years went by, um, the association continued to grow uh, to what it is today. It's really a behemoth uh, community group. Um, I think Anthony uh, attended our uh, the, our January luncheon that took place last week. We had over 400, close to 400 guests. Um, we had the chairman of the county commission speaker as a speaker. We had a U.S. senator, Senator Rick Scott, as a speaker. So that speaks to the influence. So I'm, I'm very passionate and very excited, very humble to be the, the, the president of the OBA. And it's a big responsibility, you know, the one that I embrace. Um, you know, on the day-to-day -day stuff, I, I actually have my own consulting firm. It's a company called Evergreen Group, and I am affiliated with Marin and & Sons, and I try to help that entity on the managing, on the day-to-day -day management. Uh, I still do a lot of my personal real estate on the side, which is really my what drives my affiliation uh, with the LBA. So how do, how do you get here? I think, um, you know, in, in life, everything is an evolution. Um, you experience something that you can build on and you try to build on it as much as possible. So uh, I began my career at a college uh, working for a company called Church and Tower. It's a small regional contractor. That company was the catalyst or the founding entity of what Mostec is today. Mostec is probably the largest, uh, one of the largest companies that's headquarters in South Florida, a Fortune 500 company that does infrastructure work throughout the U.S. and even in outside the U.S. So um, I was there for 18 years and then kind of went out on my own. And that's how I kind of found my way into the consulting world. Um, so that's kind of my journey in a nutshell um, for, the, for the most part. Gus, I remember you mentioned to me that your childhood, your, your early days in high school, going on to college were, were really important for you and shaping who you are today. Your mother had a big role in that. Uh, how did your early childhood play to who you are today? If it weren't for your early childhood, do you think you would still be where you are today or do you think it, it made you who you are? No, I think, listen, I think every experience is a break in the wall of your life, right? So I think part of what you uh, try to do is uh, learn from those experiences and that can be good or bad. You know, um, when I was 11 years old, I came from Cuba with my parents. Um, so at a time where uh, this was right a year before the Mario boat lift, so there wasn't uh, there was obviously Cuban exiles in, in, in town, but um, you, you, you're at an age where they bring, where you come to a new country, so a new set of friends and you're yourself trying to, you know, develop your own um, relationships. So it, it was kind of a little bit difficult, but it does. But at the same time, it was an ideal experience because it forces you to get to know different people. Um, and then as you, kind of get into middle school and high school, you utilize a lot of those skills, the ability to ingratiate yourself with others, the ability to listen to other folks and the ability to get along with people and work within a team, um, you know, whether it be through sports or, you know, study groups or whatnot. And you create, you, you begin to understand the importance of creating a bond with other folks, sharing opportunities. Um, you know, Thomas Jefferson used to say that, a candle loses nothing of itself when it lights another candle. And I think that's a, that's something that I've tried to 
follow, right? If, if there's something that I know that can help Anthony or can help Gabriel, um, I'm happy to share. Um, there is no cost associated with that back and forth. I think if anything, it, it, it helps you. And by helping you, you guys are in my orbit and I'm in your orbit. We, we help each other. So a lot of those early childhood um, foundational um, experiences, um, the sum of those parts is what uh, helps you become who you are today, good, bad, or indifferent, right? So if, if those experiences were bad, I'm sure that would have affected me. But, you know, I, I look back in my life and um, how I got here and to where I got, um, certainly I wouldn't change a thing. Absolutely. And and you mentioned your early years, and Anthony also mentioned that your mom was a pivotal, uh, had a pivotal role in your life. And as you just mentioned, if you had, you know, some words of wisdom that you could pass on to me or Anthony or anyone, um, you would you wouldn't skip the opportunity to do so. Was there anyone in particular when you were younger that you could say that maybe you had a mentor or maybe a father, a father figure, a coach, maybe that was able to speak those words of wisdom in your life when you were our age? You know, I think I think um, that's a good question. Um uh, my father and my mother played a, an integral role, but, but they were also a, a little bit um, uh, restricted in some ways because when we came from Cuba, they had a language barrier. So they could only communicate in Spanish. So um, if I had a teacher conference or if I had something, I was always a translator. Uh, so they were um, no fault of their own. Actually, you know, it's part of the ex exile experience, something very common in this town. Uh, so I don't know that I can point to one individual person. Certainly, there's been a, a group. Um, I, I think the the and, and and even when it comes to advice, um, you know, I I have this conversation with other folks often. If there are a piece of advice, I don't know that there is ever a specific piece of advice that really moves you. I think it's an aggregate of conversations, of experiences, of quotes of, of reading that you do that create and form your hypotheses or your view or your perspective, right? So I think if I could point to something, you know, from my youth, I would say uh, it's always very important. It's important to listen when you're mm -hmm. younger. It's important mm -hmm. to listen. The smartest person in a room is typically the person that's the quietest because they know what they know and they know what everybody else is, uh, is saying because everybody else is saying it. So Right. Um, the ability to listen, particularly at a young age, we all have a tendency when we're young to hurry up. We want to hurry up to get to the next step. We want to hurry up to accomplish something. Um, so understanding the combination of patience and, and, and listening. Um, you, you guys are in your early 20s. Uh, happy birthday, Anthony. I know you just turned 21. Thank you. Yeah. Um, you guys are in your early 20s. So it is impossible for you guys to acquire the wisdom, the experiences, and the knowledge that somebody that's twice your age has uh, has mm. accomplished. It's just it's physically impossible. So um, the more that folks your age um, and 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 look, you guys are ahead of the curve. Uh, certainly, when I was your age, I wasn't doing or or chasing uh, the initiatives you guys are. But you mm. know, if you can listen, if you can. If you can take notes and take take different perspectives, not, mm -hmm. you know, there, there's never, uh, you know, the, the true sign of intelligence is the ability to have 
two conflicting thoughts in your head and manage mm-hmm. them both. So um, that would be my biggest thing. And then, and probably secondary to that is um, to try to be kind. You know, I think mm-hmm. we're, we live in a rough town, right? We live in a town that's yeah. in a hurry, that moves mm-hmm. fast. Um, and sometimes we forego the um, other, the, the, the empathy that, that mm-hmm. we should all have uh, for our, you know, personal advancement. So if you can take time and, and help somebody, uh, just take a step and, and take a, slow down a bit and, and just coach somebody, understanding that you're not going to get anything for it. I think yeah. that also helps form who you're going to be in the future. Mm. Two great pieces of advice, you know, listening and being kind. I think you're absolutely right. If we follow those two things, uh, we'll, we'll get far in life, no matter what, who we are and what we do. I think those two things are crucial. But now shifting gears a little bit to our theme of the day, which is networking, Gus. You're an, I w- what I would consider an expert networker. Um, and it, I really, when I, tell pe- when I talk to people about networking, I always tell them that it's an art. It's really not as easy as saying, go out there and talk to people. That, that seems simple, but in practice, in reality, it's very difficult. And a lot of people struggle with how to network successfully. And we'll get into that now in a second. But before I ask you about how to network successfully, I want to ask you, Gus, when did you notice that networking was going to be a big part of your life? Um, and is it a big part of your life? Well, it absolutely is. I think it's what whatever success I've achieved um, has been primarily due to my network, to my ability to create relationships. And, and that's how we, frankly, particularly in this town, that's what we advance, right? Um, I think networking is an art form, to your, to your point. And sometimes when we're younger, we're networking and we don't really understand that we're networking, uh, but we're creating that foundation for networking. Um, I think the, 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 to my earlier uh, point, I, I think two of the things that helps a lot with networking is being able to listen and being able to be kind, right? Um, I think um, the, the, the earliest I can remember networking, um, you know, I go back to middle school and high school, we were already networking then, where, where you were part of a baseball team or a basketball team, or just a social group, you get to know different people, you get to know different people. And whether it was, you know, developing a relationship with somebody or having a friend that could help you meet somebody else, uh, or can help you connect with somebody else, things like that, that's networking, that's networking. So if you advance that into college, once you get into college, um, and, and you guys will experience it soon enough, right? When you start to think, what am I going to do after college? What do I want to do? Um, and it's difficult to arrive at that decision just on your own. So what do you do? You talk to your friends. Hey, what are you going to do? What are you guys going to work on? Where are you thinking of going? Yeah, That's networking. That's mm. you're interchanging ideas and thoughts, uh, comparing notes to improve yourself. Uh, and maybe you have a friend that... Uh, graduated a few years before and got a really good job and he knows about a job opening that you're interested in and he's able to get you there or he or she is able to kind of connect you with that job that's networking so the next layer after that you're already a professional and you want to advance your profession whether it be self-employed pursuing your own initiatives or as part of a company you attend social gatherings and you know, that's why you carry business cards in your pocket. That's why you uh, are able to kind of engage with other folks and, and 
professional conversations and, and hopefully end with, um, let me have your contact or your email and I'd, I'd like to follow up on that. Those are all part of networking. And then once you get to a, to a, a more experienced or um, older, for the lack of a better word, uh, level, you find that those relationships can help you not only in the professional side, but the personal development as well, right? So um, I think networking is extremely important. I think the keys to networking for me and based on my experience, and look, uh, part of being the LBA, you're forced to be, um, to lean into networking. That's what we do. At the end of the day, our association, what it, what it does, it helps connect uh, companies and individuals in a way that they can help each other from those connections that are created. I always say that the LBA is a lot like the app store, right? Apple doesn't make any apps, um, but it creates this ecosystem where the developer and the consumer can come together and, yeah. and develop a relationship, right? Um, and so, so for me, the LBA, uh, what I try to do is to create that ecosystem where a real estate professional can meet a construction professional and talk about doing business together or a, you know, contracting vendor that does drywall can connect with a developer and talk about doing business together. That's, and that's networking. That's the professional, the ideal scenario for networking where you can be exposed to, to different opportunities and, and different ideas. So, I, I, you know, this town is run on relationships. Uh, and networking is the umbrella that encompasses uh, what networking is all about. So uh, it's very important. Yeah, I, I love the analogy, the example that you gave of the App Store, because it's really so true, right? And I know for Anthony and I, we'll talk about networking. And that word, for some reason, might rub people out, you know, the wrong way. They might be a little intimidated to, to, do, to go network. But to your point... I think I've started networking since middle school or high school when I was playing basketball with friends, right? And those those friends have grown to be entrepreneurs, business owners, you know, parts of significant uh, organizations that we can call on, have lunch. And even if it's just getting coffee with a friend, I think that's what is also considered and under that umbrella of networking. Um, and I'm sure as the president of an organization like LBA, a lot of people look to you to set an example of what good networking looks like. And also in that position, I'm sure you've you've been you know, uh, uh, you know you've seen a lot of good networking and even a lot of bad networking. And my question to you is, is and before we ask you how to network successfully, I want to ask you what would you say is an example of you know bad networking? What are some mistakes that you've seen people do over the course of your career um, for young people to really just tune in and, and to really learn from those mistakes? Very good question. I think, um, unfortunately, sometimes networking or just being part of a group dynamics, uh, you, you almost have to make some mistakes to learn from them. Uh, but certainly, uh, I think one of the keys to successful networking is understanding that networking occurs first and foremost on a one-on-one -on -one basis. Even though you're in a group with, maybe you're in a room with 100 people, and of those 100 people, there's 20 that you really want to meet, right? Um, but when you have the conversation with that person, it happens one-on-one. Uh, -on -one. Um, the thing that I try to do myself 
in those scenarios and that I've tried to do for a long time is to be in the moment, be engaged in that conversation. So if I'm talking to Anthony, because I want to talk to Anthony in a networking setting, I want to make sure that I'm looking him in the eyes, that I'm listening to what he has to say, that I'm paying attention and that he recognizes that I'm paying attention. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the person who speaks with you and is looking over your shoulder for the next person they want to talk to, because I think that person isn't really listening to you. So, uh, and I know it can be difficult because when we have a lot of folks uh, and maybe a limited amount of time, you're excited. You want to, you want to shake hands and meet and, and talk to as many people as you can. Uh, but my um, advice or, or, or at least my caution on what bad networking is, is if you don't allow yourself to be in the moment in that conversation with that individual that you're talking to, um, one, you come across as somebody who's really not that interested in what you, what, what in, in that conversation. Um, and number two, I think it's rude. I think it, it speaks to, uh, you know, uh, lack of professionalism or lack of professional charisma to a certain extent. So, um, that networking happens when you try to do too much and you try to look beyond the people that you're networking with. Mm. Very good tips there. Very good advice. I think something that we've all experienced, I, I can, some people pop to the head where that has happened before when I'm having a conversation with them, but they're kind of wandering around and I can't, I can tell that they're not fully present and that we've, right. we've spoken to that before about being fully present in everything that you do. And um, of course, networking, you want to be fully present for the person who you're speaking with. Now, from personal experience, Gus, when I got to UF, I got here in August, I had a hard time trying to find my network, right? Such a huge university from going to Miami-Dade to UF, a new city that I've never been a part of. I honestly, I, I struggled finding my, my niche, my group, who, who am I going to be with around here? So I, I joined clubs and organizations. None of them were good in the beginning. None of them were, were what I was looking for. So I really had a hard time um, networking here, here at UF and it's still an uphill battle. I'm, I'm now trying to try, I'm now getting to the place where I'm getting comfortable, where I'm finding my network, where I'm finding people like myself, but it's been difficult. It's been very difficult. So my question, Gus, is for young professionals who are listening to this right now, who are listening to you, who have zero connections, they have no connections. They've never, never networked professionally in their life before. Um, what, how can they get started? Like where, where does someone with zero connections who doesn't, who now knows how to network, right? Cause you just shared it with us, but who has zero connections, how or where can they get started? Well, first of all, I dismissed the notion of you not doing well at networking because I know you and I know that you talk to everybody and you always have that jovial approach and big smile. So mm -hmm. I, I think you're, you're being overdramatic as I know that you're, you you pick up networking very quickly and very efficiently and very effectively. So uh, I you. appreciate the setup, but um, yeah. I think look, I think um, there's there's a couple of things that I would you know kind of share. Is number one, I think I, I think it's great and ideal to lean into the most uncomfortableness you could possibly find. So if you uh, find somebody that doesn't look like you. Find somebody that's doing something different than you and try to engage with those conversations. I think sometimes we lean into our comfort zones and, you know, Gabriel, you mentioned basketball, right? So if you wanted to pick up, um, you know, uh, uh, if you wanted to play sports or something, you're going to go to a basketball court. That's where you're comfortable with. Um, 
But I would, you know, uh, challenge you guys to lean into something that you're not particularly comfortable with or something that you haven't experienced before. Um, if it's folks that think differently than you, folks that are um, maybe are interested in things that are different than what you're interested in, allow yourself to connect with those individuals or, or challenge yourself to connect with those individuals because what you're going to do is you're going to considerably spread your, your, your net, your personal net, your personal network. Um, if all we want to do is hang out with folks that look like us or do what we do, you know, that's a narrow path, you know, um, and, and sometimes you'll find that there's a lot more, we have a lot more in common with other people that may not be doing what we do or may not look like us than we think. Um, so my, my, if I could talk to my younger self, I would tell my younger self, Hey, be, be, um, expose yourself to different things, expose yourself to different types of people that think differently, that are pursuing different, um, professional path that have different circles. Uh, because all I'm going to do with those, uh, those, uh, initiatives is one, expand my network and to learn how to talk to people that are learn to learn how to talk to everybody. Um, there's nothing funner. I think on when you're doing networking that when you meet somebody that you may not think you have anything in common with, uh, and after a two minute conversation, you have a lot in common with, I think that's a pleasant surprise. And those are the fun little games that I play in my head in networking settings, right? I, I, I talk to different people, you know, I wonder what, what I have in common with that person. I bet I can have a conversation with that person. I bet I can get that person's business card. I bet I'm going to impress that person. Um, those are the types of, you know, kind of catalysts that I use uh, for, for conversations. Absolutely. And that's something that Anthony and I speak on so much you know, on this podcast and part of the reason why we started this podcast in the first place, because, you know, we weren't comfortable with getting in front of the mic or getting in front of a camera and speaking, right. but you know, everything, the comfort zone is, is really where you stay to just be straight and narrow. You're not really not going to go anywhere by staying there. And I wanted to ask you as we, as we sort of wrap up here in your years of experience through networking, through LBA, through all your, you know, your different positions in your career, have you ever gotten comfortable with networking or do you still show up to a networking event today and you still got, you know, the jitters and the butterflies? Do you have like a guest list that you go to that you asked to prior? What are some things that you can you can get yourself comfortable in the moment, especially for someone listening to this, that the first step is just getting there? I feel like that's really what people struggle with, especially our age, that they don't even want to leave the car, right? They might drive to the to the location, but they, they turn right back around because they're just so nervous, so uncomfortable. What is, what is something uh, that they can do to make themselves comfortable in those situations? Sure. So I, I think that great question and, and actually speaks to something that's very important, right? The, uh, the ability to, to, to creating the courage to have those conversations. And, and everybody goes through that. I've gone through that. I still go through that. Um, I, I'm sure if you're um, trying to, particularly when you're coming into a new group, uh, it can be intimidating. It can be overwhelming. Um, so what I try to do, even to this day, is I'm going to tell myself that, number one, I'm going to 
speak to at least 20 people, right? I'm going to speak to a certain number. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do that. Uh, another thing that I like to do is if it's a networking event that is, you know, let's use the LBA as an example, right? We know the LBA is a group that is interested in um, construction and the construction industry and the building industry and real estate and things of that nature. I want to be prepared, right? I, you know, I, I think if we are having a conversation about real estate um, and I don't know anything about real estate, not even the, 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 the most fundamental of, of issues, and I can't uh, hold the conversation, then that conversation is not going to go anywhere. So I think it's important to be worldly in the sense of, you know, read, you know, people need to read the newspaper every day to know what's going on. Uh, go on blogs, go on, on, on digital subscriptions and read what's going on about an industry, about, um, you know, local events and things of that nature. I think prepare yourself as much as possible um, to, to be able to have those conversations. I think that's part of the homework. I think that's part of the, the, the preparation that we all need to do to, to be able to hold a conversation on, on different topics. Um, I'm an avid reader. I, I like to read. I, you know, my goal has always been to read you know, a book a month. Uh, I don't always get there, but, um, but I'm constantly reading. I'm constantly trying to learn uh, because you never know when the conversation pops up about you know, Southeastern Asian politics, and you may know a thing or two about that. And again, the ability to hold that conversation is what creates that connection and, and, and hopefully um, you know, augments your, your network. So yeah. um, you know, I think the biggest thing is uh, to, to, to be present, as you guys mm -hmm. have said, uh, to understand that other people are nervous as well. Mm. Um, uh, but if you're a, if you come across as a likable person, if you don't have any walls or are too defensive, um, mm. nine times out of 10, you'll get good feedback. Mm. Very important. So many good gems, so many good tips, Gus, that you gave us about networking. And finally, the last question to wrap everything up, to kind of sum everything up that we've talked about, what is the mindset that young folks, people listening to this should have? If it, what is the mindset that people should have today? Listen, I think there's so many things. Uh, if I could point to one, I think you, you have to have, uh, when you're young, you're in a hurry to not be young anymore. Um, I, I would say, um, and your generation is one that demands uh, immediate response to everything they do. Uh, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it's different than how I was. Um, I, don't think it's, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's important to be ambitious. But uh, if I could tell you one thing, I think number one, um, you know, understand that there is a, a path. Understand that you have to create your own path. And understand that that may take some time. Um, I think it's very important to be positive with yourself. Um, if I could point to one thing, is develop that confidence in yourself. And how do you develop that confidence? Is prepare yourself. You know, learn. Uh, Gandhi has a great line that says, um, "Live as if you're going to die tomorrow, but learn as if you're going to live forever." You should always be learning. You should always be looking for ways to better yourselves. You should always be looking for ways to uh, do more and, and learn about things and, and, and try to do those things. But at the same time, you should always uh, also develop confidence from yourself and be positive about um, what you're doing. Um, I think 
because we live in a world that demands immediate satisfaction or calls for that, um, I'm fearful that those individuals or those young people that don't see that immediate positive feedback um, can see it as something negative um, and then can kind of do- go down a dark hole. So I think having the patience, uh, having understanding that no one but you can build your path to success. So you have to be every day working at it, but also being positive and being enthusiastic about what today will bring and what tomorrow will bring. Um, I think those are uh, keys to to a happy life. Um, and sometimes a happy life doesn't mean having $100 million in the bank. I'm certainly a one, a one hurt to have $100 million in the bank. Uh, but I think it's more important to be comfortable with yourself, to be happy with yourself, to wake up every day wanting to learn more, wanting to meet new people, wanting to do more. I think if you can master that, or not master that, but understand that and embrace that, I think it leads to uh, to it leads to a happy life. Definitely, like Anthony mentioned, so many uh, you know words of wisdom, so many gems in this episode. I'm definitely gonna go back and listen to to it myself and. You touched on it now, and I'm just going to touch on it for a second, that especially in this generation, the society of instant gratification, it's so important that for us young people specifically to, you know, listen to people like you, you know, like you mentioned, people that are always talking, never have a chance to listen. And I think that's one thing that people can definitely take away. And all the other things that we spoke about networking, get out there, get uncomfortable, you know, just make yourselves uh, present in the moment. And I think people will definitely see a change in their life and, and in their their careers. Well, Gus, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, before we go, can you let our listeners know where they can find you on LinkedIn? How can they learn more about LBA? All that good stuff. Well, on the LBA front, we have a great, um, you know, our website is lbaorg.com. Um, we have uh, the ability to sign up to receive our newsletter and, and received our, our email distribution. Um, so I would encourage you guys to, you know, we're, we're very visible. We're in LinkedIn, we're in Instagram, we're in uh, Facebook and all the social media channels. Sign up, tune in, uh, and we'll do everything to connect with you. And, and obviously, um, you know, in, in the website, our contact information is on there. Uh, we have a staff that can answer a lot of your questions. Uh, for me personally, um, I'm on LinkedIn. I would tell you my handle. I don't even know it, but <laughs> you, you type in my name and my ugly mug will go. pop up. Yeah. Uh, same thing on Instagram. Uh, I don't post much, but I certainly, uh, through the LBA, we do we do post a lot. So, I, yeah. and, and, you know, and I'm around. I mean, Anthony knows how to get a hold of me. Yeah. Uh, if anybody's interested in being part of the LBA, uh, Please reach out to me. My uh, you can reach me via email. My email is easy as gus.cabrera at me.com. Very easy to get a hold of me, and I will certainly uh, certainly respond. I want to thank you guys. This is a lot of fun. Uh, I think what you guys are doing is really great. And I, you know, Joe Rogan has a very famous podcast that began as not such a famous podcast. So mm. I think in I think in a couple of years you guys are going to be uh, giving him a run for his money. So just remember to Photoshop. The forehead <laughs> glare, if you can, you know. So we'll work on it, and, and hopefully, hopefully yeah. we can. You know, I know that I see Anthony in person a lot of times. Gabe, you're always yes. welcome to come by, and, and we can talk. And hopefully, yeah, I'll yeah. be. You guys will invite me back. 
Absolutely. No, thank you. Thank you so much, Gus. Actually, it's crazy when you mentioned the uh, the newsletter from LBA. I just got it. I just got an email uh, of the newsletter. Awesome. So there you go. Perfectly, perfectly timed. Perfectly, perfectly timed. timed. Yeah, this this uh, episode is sponsored by LBA. So there we go. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, Gus. I appreciate your thank time. You. And thank My you for, for your leadership in LBA and, and for your mentorship as well. Thank you, guys. Look forward to hearing from you guys more. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Mindset Podcast with LBA President Gus Cabrera. We really hope you enjoyed this episode and got a lot of value from it. Networking is an art. It is not as easy as people may think of just going out and talking to people, although that is a start. Networking done right, done successfully, is really an art that can be perfected after practice, after time, after time, after time. So go out there, start networking, start reaching out to your connections, both new and old, and you will see that many doors will open for you.